A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast, Deconstructing WandaVision. Episode number eight, I think. Well, no, it is eight. But before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and deconstructing WandaVision, (laughs) oh God. Anyway, before we do all that and introduce our very special guest co-host for this episode, I want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Marvelists. You can find us individually on social media. Myself, at Peter Melnick on Instagram and Twitter. And there's only one place in the whole worldwide interwebs where you can find Eddie Wilson. And it's on Instagram, at Eddie9193. You can also find the show on a wide variety of streaming platforms. Just be sure to Google The Marvelists, and you'll find all of the different places, including iTunes, where when you go on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, and share. Also, go support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash themarvelists. Uh, Throw some bucks our way for as little as $3 a month to as high as, well, name it, and we'll go from there. But you support the show, and you get a bonus show on our monthly feed there we go i'm like spazzing out a little bit but i digress uh face or on patreon there we go our bonus content show the fantastic voyage where we cover all 102 issues as well as annuals although it's not 102 annuals like eddie made the joke once that'd be like 100 years worth but of the stan lee and jack kirby fantastic four run and finally, go on belowthecollar.com slash themarvelists and check out our t-shirt store featuring our only design at this time, but we're going to be adding some more in the very near future. Our dad joke immune t-shirt featuring my favorite five-star review of this show on iTunes on a t-shirt. Joining us on today's program discussing WandaVision number eight is Jeremy Rudick. Jeremy, as we record, it is evening good evening hello how are you pretty pretty good so this episode i had to go through a uh, second watch of this because i didn't quite get it during the uh second or the first viewing you know the second half of the episode i'm just like wait what mm-hmm. so rewatched it this morning really enjoyed what i saw and i got a lot of questions i know you have questions as well you have strong thoughts about this episode. You actually, you have a bit of a, uh, you had sent me a text that you had sent to a friend as well about this episode, which reminded me of my thoughts on, I believe, episode number four, the one that was the first non-sitcom episode. Mm-hmm. Yours matched that for me. Okay. Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't say that I disliked it because every episode of this show has been an absolute banger. And I mean, one thing I'll say for sure is that the performances alone have just been, from an acting standpoint, phenomenal. From both Catherine Hahn yes. and Elizabeth Olsen, they have just both completely knocked it out of the park, and especially Catherine Hahn in a way that, I mean, I personally haven't seen her act like this before. I think I've only seen her in Parks and Rec, so this is, this is amazing performance work. Yeah, there's just something about her performance throughout this series, especially, you know, no matter how small her performance was on the show in the beginning to just, you know, full blown once it was the Agatha all along moment, which, by the way, that went viral. That is the bop of 2021, by the way. My TikTok is obsessed with that song. I get that song in a TikTok like every third one. (laughs) It's amazing how that blew up. And by the way, this is like This is, I think, the moment Disney realized print-on-demand is a great thing because if you go on the Marvel Facebook page, and I think Disney in general on Facebook Mm -hmm. and on social media, they're selling Agatha all along merchandise out the wazoo. Like, they are more prepared for this than they were Baby Yoda. They they know what they're doing. They know when they have a banger on their hands. 
Oh, yeah. And it's very much one of those instances where I I could not believe how uh, how catchy of a song. And I realize this is more of an episode seven discussion, but, it you know, the impact of that song a week later and we're still talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a sign of a, first off, a great earworm, an absolutely great earworm. Absolutely. And you don't really get a lot of songs from Marvel. Like you're not, unless you're going to make a playlist out of Mr. Blue Sky, you're not going to get like songs about Marvel. So this is cool to have. Yeah, just original. And it's very much one of those moments where I'm excited to see what this could mean because, you know, the general impression for this show is it's a one and done. It's not, there's not going to be a WandaVision season two. Right. We're going to have Dr. Strange two is going to be our sequel. Do you think so? I could see that's a very interesting take for that. I could see that. Definitely. They keep saying that there's going to be some sort of big actor reveal. And honestly, that has been consuming my theory brain. And I, I keep thinking, coming back to Benedict Cumberbatch being the big reveal. But but they've acted before. We'll see. Why was that? They have acted together. Yeah, they have. Uh, you mean Paul Bettany and uh, Doctor Strange? Have they been on screen together, though? I mean, not on screen Wait, together, per se, no. but like, have they like acted together? I know they were both in Endgame or Infinity War, but were they ever acting together? They So it made me realize they've been in the same movie together, but not on screen together because Vision was a part of the uh, Wakanda team, whereas Doctor Strange was a part of Random Space Planet uh, team. Yeah, so those, those actors may never have actually like worked together in the same room. Now, you mention the whole theory of who he might be acting alongside, and on Reddit, the discussion of it in the r slash WandaVision subreddit one Reddit theory is Bettany has been saying he's going to be acting alongside an actor he's always wanted to work with. Right. Now, is it himself? That might explain the Parent Trap reference, although that could be referring to Billy and Tommy. And I say this because we're getting the quote-unquote white vision, which, by the way, holy crap, I did not expect to see that comic reference in the show. But also, we're seeing Wanda's vision, which also could be a play on the show's name, mm-hmm. WandaVision. Mm-hmm going against the one which is the remnant of uh, its Hayward's vision. Right. And by the way, uh, once again, I believe it's a reference to the Wanda or Scarlet Witch and Vision miniseries from 1985, I want to say, the 12-issue one, where we see uh, Wanda go up to the dissected vision or the deconstructed vision. And, oh boy, like... The comic version is very dark to see where it's, you know, just nothing but wires and like the little robotic eyes. This was just as bad. This was really gross. And I, I have a problem with like, I can't watch a lot of gore when it's a person and robot stuff doesn't really bother me. But even parts of me were unsettled by like it was just and the, the face, I think, is what really did it for me was the head. I would say and it's funny that you, you use the word gross to describe this. That's a perfect descriptor for this, although, you know, it's a, it's a sign of how strongly connected we are to these Marvel characters. Right, and Hayward and, would have no know, connection to him, so he doesn't care. And for you to say, though, gross, to describe essentially a robot that talks with ones and zeros, yeah. that's the power of how these characters are written and the actors' portrayals. Absolutely. Where you see that, you're just like, ugh. Well, when, I love that. When Infinity War... And uh, came out, the memes all over the place were like, oh, why doesn't Wanda just put him in a bag of rice? And like, it's funny because he's a robot, you know, he's not real, but you really do care about him. Oh, that's great. I never thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, There were so many jokes about how she's falling in love with like a USB drive. And like, it's funny, but like when you get down to it, it, it really is impressive how they've made you care about Vision. Exactly. And, you know, again, I always go back to uh, Into the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. where it's it's an animated movie, but we got emotion and a connection with a bunch of ones and zeros on the screen. Mm-hmm. So now let's drift away back to the beginning of the episode, but we will be talking more about that ending, especially with what I think and friend of the show or common friend of the show, Jeremy Bagley, has to say in regards to the relationship with Hayward and Vision. Okay. But the opener, 
you know, that scene with Agatha during the Salem witch trial, first off, that is such a great scene. It leads, you know, you have so much backstory within a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. You just can tell a thousand different stories through that visual of her during this time. Honestly, the second they opened up on the the word Salem, I I looked to my partner and I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And, you know, her line of I can be good. Mm -hmm. Oof. Just, you know, right off the bat, you have so much. And the thing is this, I cannot recommend enough uh, comic artist slash Deadpool co-creator Rob Liefeld's podcast or observations, because recently he's been doing primers about a lot of these characters. Like he's obsessed with the show WandaVision. So he's like, well, I'm a diehard comic head. Let's talk about Agatha Harkness and who she is and what this means. And he did an entire episode talking about the history of the character and the importance of her. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of baggage with that character because Agatha Harkness can be good. She absolutely can be a good character. And her actions right now, while flawed, might just be Wanda doing her own thing in this little sub-universe, you know? Yeah, we have yet to see Agatha do anything quote-unquote evil. I mean, she killed Sparky, so, you know, like, screw her, but... Well, she is good to animals with uh, with uh, Senor Scratchy, although Senor Scratchy, I think she's nice to that animal because that's her son. I think Scratch. so, too. I've and seen that, and I agree with that one. That one makes the most sense to me. Like, that's it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's funny because her character, I think, is the negativity is being painted through Wanda. Because she's like, Wanda's antagonist. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily make it, her an antagonist. She's the antagonist to our protagonist. Are we going to go with the uh, Wreck'em Ralph of uh, Zangief going, just because you're a bad guy doesn't, doesn't make doesn't you a bad a... guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... I. Right off the bat, though, I just love that we're given an, an, a mini intro to this character because it tells oh so much that we've been wondering. Like, obviously, the hardcore comic fans are going to know this stuff, mm-hmm. but the people like myself who I know a lot about comics, but Agatha Harkness, I'm not like, you guys, we're going to be reading Agatha Harkness's <laughs> first appearance. <laughs> so. There's just something about, you know, I love how they can easily explain these characters to us Mm -hmm. in a matter of seconds, you know? Absolutely. And the way that Marvel retells stories, too, they're so good at taking comic material that people are so familiar with. And even if you do know the comics verbatim, you're still going to get a story that you didn't see coming. Exactly. And, you know, speaking of what, you didn't see that coming? You did not see that coming? (laughs) (laughs) We have uh, fake Pietro. Or Pietro, or as I call him, Pietro. Pietro is pretty good. I'm really proud of that one, so thank you. <laughs> so, um, in regards to this character, first off, we have a little scene where Wanda is talking to Agatha Harkness. And I, by the way, every single time I say Agatha, I want to say Agatha Christie, and I can't <laughs> do that. But, um, sure, you can. It's your show. Harkness. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> but with, with uh, Harkness. There's just something, there's that line where she's talking about how obviously we couldn't, you know, get your brother because he's on another continent full of holes. Right. By the way, I love that. I love how Catherine Hahn just emotes so strongly with her face of the, that, I love that. She's such a good face actress. I was uh, in the song Agatha all along. One of my favorite things is when she just does little, like, little lip things. Like when she like sucks her lip in the car, like, but it's like a funny coy. It's like a mixture of so many. She's so good at face acting is what I'm trying to say. She reminds me a lot of, uh, Lucille ball. Mm -hmm. As like growing up as a kid, I watched a lot of, I love Lucy. So to see her do a lot of the stuff she does, she has a lot of range for, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who's been pegged quote unquote as a comedic actress, right? She's intense. And I, She's right now, the way her character is, I love to hate her. She is very fun to watch. And even though she's the bad guy, I I don't want to see her die. You know, I don't want her to, I don't want to see her die. I'd like to see her come back in some capacity or at least stick around or have, I don't know, a redemption, something. I just, I'm not done with her yet. What do you, what do you think is going to be the thing with her? Oh, gosh. So many things I see floating around. And as somebody who only has like, some knowledge of the comics. The thing that would make the most sense to me, I saw something about her like wanting this, maybe 
sacrifice the kids for Mephisto or you it's so tricky with her because I if now that we've got the reveal that she didn't create the reality herself and she doesn't have that much to do with it I I almost feel like she's going to be a sub villain in Doctor Strange 2 that would that would be interesting because again in these COVID times of how these movies are being filmed there are a lot of actors and actresses that we aren't aware of being involved. That's why, mm-hmm. like, the the closed sets. This is going to be cool when we have the upcoming Spider-Man movies. Absolutely, we're not where... going to we're not going to know who's in it. We didn't know Evan. Pe- we knew Evan Peters because of, like, I think they purposely told us or purposely leaked it. But even that, we knew nothing. Yeah, I love the uh, as crappy as these times are. It's such a bounty in regards to the element of surprise with these movies. Absolutely, because you can get the whole thing filmed. I mean, WandaVision, I can only imagine, took a very short amount of time to get done. I know, like, Ms. Marvel is is pretty much done, which, by the way, that's going to be one of those, like, how are they going to pull that off in regards to, you know, like, production schedules? Because you really can't do large crowd scenes anymore. Mm -hmm. So... I digress at that point, but again, there's uh, I do hope that we get more Catherine Hahn because I really don't want to see something happen with that because as much as I love Marvel, they are very, very guilty of getting rid of a character once they're done. Like they did not realize how big of an impact Killmonger had on people. Killmonger is a death that I, I really wish they didn't go through with. Um, I I've said this before and I'll say it again. One of my favorite aspects of homecoming is that they didn't kill Vulture. Vulture was so damn good. Good Lord. He was really good. And it's not that they're opposed to killing their big name actor villains, but just keeping him in the, the playhouse was such a good idea. One thing is, do you think that it was Sony's decision to keep Vulture? In my heart of hearts, I'd like to believe that Marvel is just getting better. Yeah. But it probably was a Sony decision. Because I could totally see them saying, no, we want to keep him because he's involved in the Dead Behind the Eyes Jared Leto uh, Morbius movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just don't know because... The, again, you know, to quote Deadpool in the first Deadpool movie, these timelines are so confusing. They really, really are. Morbius is not an MCU movie, but it's got an MCU character in it. Yeah. I don't. It's it's, it's going to be weird. This, this multiverse thing, it has a lot of options, but in a lot of regards, it, there's too much. There's too much you can yeah. do. Well, one of my biggest complaints, and this is a little mini tangent before we get in, you know, going back to the episode at hand, I think the whole multiverse aspect could be a very big problem because right now Marvel is throwing as much stuff as humanly possible because of rumor and innuendo in regards to Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the announcement, like, first off, I, lo- I do love how they're marketing this right now in regards to announcements. Because we had three different titles for a movie, and it's indicative of three different Spider-Mans, you know? You have uh, the first logo that was uh, the green logo, which, by the way, was, you know, some people believe the green represents Green Goblin. Mm -hmm. The next logo was uh, the logo featuring the color of two villains from the Andrew Garfield run, gray for the rhino and neon blue for a shocker or for electro. And mm-hmm. then there was the pink and or the pinkish red and yellow, which some people were like, that doesn't even make sense. I'm like, yeah, it does. Shocker. Yeah. Shocker was in homecoming. So, you know, good old quilt face. There's that. But like I said, there's I feel like it's we're building up to this movie. Just one movie and everything's getting thrown into it, it feels like. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's rumors right now that apparently Willem Dafoe is returning as the Green Goblin in this movie. That's a lot. That's a lot. And isn't Charlie Cox supposed to be in it too? If, again, if they are throwing Charlie Cox in there, I'm down with it. I love his Daredevil. Absolutely. I don't want to see that, you know, I love every single show in the Netflix, you know, canon. And by the way, I'm even saying, 
I did in fact love Iron Fist because mm-hmm. it was cheese, but I loved it. It was like, <laughs> you know, there's just something about it. Although that stair or that hallway fight in the first season is one of the most badass ones, and I don't care what anyone says. That was one of the coolest scenes. But again, I digress. I feel like they're really, really throwing everything in there, and I don't think it's Marvel's decision. I think that is a Sony thing where they're just like, you know, Avi Arad is going on saying, you guys, we got to do this, 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 and this, you know, and he, I think it's like Avi kind of like hijacking this kind of like at the, uh, when they won the Academy Award for best animated picture for Spider-Verse and Avi immediately tried to get in <laughs> to the shot and get the <laughs> microphone. I love Avi, but, uh, Hachi Machi. We'll see. I trust but, Marvel a lot more now than I've trusted them with a movie before. So that's the thing, you know, like 2013 was the last time people were truly disappointed with a Marvel movie, you know, with Thor, the dark world. Mm -hmm. And it's hasn't really like, of course there will be the detractors saying, Oh, age of Ultron was a terrible movie. I'm like, I liked that one more than the uh, first Avengers. Ultron is a wonderful movie. It took me honestly, a couple of rewatches to like it as much as I do now. Right. But honestly, it's better Knowing where some of those characters end up, I think we did a thing before we watched WandaVision where we purposely just watched every movie that had Wanda in it. So we watched, we started with Ultron and then we worked our way up. So we just, but just the ones with her in it. And we watched Thor Ragnarok. Not that she's in it, but it's just a phenomenal movie and we were going to watch it. Um, But watching them like that, it's really cool to watch character, specific characters' arcs through the movies. That's, again, that's the magic of these movies and how well they can spin a web, ironically, you know, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also excited for the element that, you know, we get to see Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield react to Spider-Man, Toby, Tugboat Toby, <laughs> where the spider, you know, the, the webbing comes out of his wrist. I'm so excited to see them look disgusted. It'll be, it'll be funny. It'll be cool. So now back to WandaVision, episode number eight. Another thing about this episode is the sitcoms as the coping mechanism, you know, due to the passing of Pietro, due to watching her parents die. And actually, let's really quick, one more rewind. Pietro, the faux Pietro, how does that make you feel that apparently that isn't a multi, you know, a multiverse version of the character? That's just, you know, an imagination. I'm, I'm not convinced that it's necessarily not a multiverse Egg. I'm, I am upset that it is not Pietro. I really wish I've liked that character since Ultron and only in Ultron. And I've always wanted him to come back in some capacity. And so I really was excited that he was in WandaVision. And it's still cool what they're doing with him. And like I said, I do trust Marvel. And whatever story they want to tell us is the story that they want to tell us. So if that right. story doesn't include bringing our what we know Pietro from Ultron to be back, then so be it. I, as much as I would personally really like that, and I'm a little disappointed that's not what they're doing with it. I still think that we have a really good chance that it's Evan Peters, Fox, Quicksilver. Um, a lot of the evidence that I feel like points to it still being some form of Quicksilver is that, I mean, he, he used his speed powers, which we don't. I don't think that Agatha is as capable of things that it would take to like, cre- like to pull that off is really impressive. Yeah. It's one thing to like use him as a puppet, but to also give him memories, to give him the ability to be really fast. I think that it is still a multiverse Quicksilver. Now in regards to this version of him, you know what it is personally, I'm much more partial to the Fox Quicksilver, Mm -hmm. but on the flip side, you look at the, you know, the actor from the MCU one whose name I don't remember offhand, you would know it. I was just trying to say it and I can, I can never remember Aaron Johnson, but there's a middle name in there. Aaron blank Johnson. You know, he, he's very much good old AJ. uh, Yeah. He, he looks like comic Quicksilver if he had facial hair, Mm -hmm. you know, there's that element where he's like the big, strong kind of guy and you, you look at him. You make him into comic Quicksilver, it could be done. It could absolutely be done. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see him being a member of X Factor, for example, and, you know, just there's something about that. But I think overall, I want to see more of Quicksilver in this universe. And, I, you know, 
it's a great character, and I feel the best is yet to come still, you know? And Well, the other thing that I took away from this episode was the line where Agatha says that you can do anything that you want, you know, or she, I don't think she said it like that, but the implication is that if Wanda wants to bring good old AJ brother back, (laughs) I, I feel like the implication is that she can. Yeah. Or that at least maybe like it was her that pulled her brother in, in some regard, but Agatha jumped in on the opportunity to have a puppet. I don't, I don't know, but the I, I, the takeaway that I got was that what Wanda can do is going to be, what did Dr. Strange say, unhithered to something, like we're never going to see what she can do before. It's something new, and it opens up a lot more possibilities. You mentioned Dr. Strange, and I love how in this show we have callbacks to all sorts of different elements of the Marvel Universe. And Mm -hmm. it is appropriate that you guys did watch Thor Ragnarok for your rewatch. Yes, it has, because it has Dr. Strange, and it talks about keeping an eye on dangerous beings. And it's not just that, but it's also the element of how magic is in the Marvel Universe, because at one point, Agatha grabs or takes uh, Wanda and grabs a strand of her hair, Mm -hmm. just like Doctor Strange did to Thor in Thor Ragnarok. Yep. And it's little things like that that overall help with building this world and these elements of what you can get away with and accomplish. And I like that. And I like how we are taking real life with how people are with certain things and utilizing them to flow a story. You know, I know a lot of people who go through hard times, go through psychological trauma, and they are able to cope with these problems in their life through certain things. And, you know, Wanda taking sitcoms and using them as a coping mechanism to make herself feel better and bring her to a point where it'll get better. You know, as long as I have this, it'll, you know, even if it's temporary, there's a little bit of happiness, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love the uh, top headline review title by uh, Abraham Reisman, who was just recently on our show talking about his true believer rise and fall of Stan Lee book. Uh, available in bookstores now, but he used the headline for this episode, Big Trauma's House, which I love the pun, so Mm -hmm. A-plus on that pun. But in regards to that, you know, the sitcoms as a form of a coping mechanism, and especially, I was wondering, you know, for a long time, why sitcoms? Why sitcoms? We got that answer. That That's why she's doing this, because that's her idealized form of what the world is. Mm -hmm. And And even when somebody... Even when somebody like, you know, Brian Cranston's character goes through something incredibly, what should be incredibly painful, it's okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a, def, that's an excellent point. And also on the topic of the Cran man, Brian Cranston, it is a little heartbreaking to know. Some people pointed this out. They're like, if Brian Cranston exists in the Marvel Universe as Brian Cranston through the show Malcolm in the Middle, we may never see Brian Cranston as an actor in the MCU as a character like a Mr. Sinister or a uh, Her- or Norman Osborn. That is true. That is a good point. However, you know, Marvel, if you're going with Marvel, they might going. just do it anyway. <laughs> That's true. But also, we do have Star Wars in the Marvel Universe. And we have Star Samuel Wars Jackson. Exactly. And we have uh, Panda Bear, who is going to be Thor very soon. Mm-hmm. So... Panda Bear Amidala. Absolutely. So, you know, they could do whatever they want. There's a, yeah, there's very much where sense and continuity can be thrown out the window and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Now, you know, on the topic of sitcoms, we see all of these different shows and one of them that played a very big role was a show which, by the way, you can't talk about on Facebook because you (laughs) can get your account zucked temporarily, The Dick Van Dyke Show. Right. 
And by the way, that is a fun fact that is real. You can't say Dick Van Dyke because apparently it's considered hate speech, which is really funny. Just like you can't say silly goose because it's considered <laughs> harassment and bullying, which I swear to God, give it a try. Get your account locked for 24 hours. Tell them Peter sent you. <laughs> but uh, in regards to a lot of the stuff, it's such a weird time. But I love how they're using the sitcoms and especially the sitcoms that they use. I did not realize that Dick Van Dyke would be one of the inspirations for these shows. I thought it was more stuff like the honeymooners for the fifties bewitched for the sixties, which by the way, I love that they had in that little treasure trove of all the different shows. It was bewitched, but specifically it says on the package, the black and white version. <laughs> yeah. Just so much great stuff. And also a lot of us called it Malcolm in the Middle. I love mm -hmm. that Malcolm in the Middle was one of the shows for inspiration. Although, it, you know, they don't need, you know, a DVD copy of The Office because <laughs> they, got, uh, the, they got the Peacock app. But, yeah, and again, also, just going over to, you know, recounting a lot of the trauma, the lingering effects of the Infinity Saga with her powers being amplified by one of the stones, the Mind Stone, which during that text you had sent me, you were like, well, I know this. You know, the Mind Stone. I know. Mm hmm So. Well, that, you, that was you, sort oh, of one of my, my issues with the episode. And again, I, I do want to reiterate that I, I don't think it was a bad episode. And I didn't dislike it. I think it was a very good episode. However, there were nuggets of things that felt very important. Um, even right. in the flashbacks, it felt like, oh, this is new information. But like. I felt like the episode spent a lot of its time. Granted, it was a longer episode, so they had a little bit more time to do extra stuff. But I felt like it spent a lot of time showing us things that we already knew. And while it was cool right. to see those things, like see Wanda's parents and see baby Wanda and Pietro, I would have much rather... The episode didn't have nearly enough Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely there's other plot points that i think that they've established i would like to see them continue the story instead of moving backwards and i know agatha said the best way to move forward is back but like even in the scene right. where wanda and vision are together in the the compound i would have personally like we could imply we could excuse me we could infer that they bonded in the Avengers compound. Like we knew that without seeing it. If you wanted to show us something, why not show us the night of their first kiss? Something more, something more substantial to their relationship. I feel like would have been a better use of that time. Show me the first time that Wanda decided to kiss an iPod. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like what, what, like what led up to that? Like, you know what I mean? What, what transitioned it from, we, we can see each other. We can understand each other, too. There is actually something here beyond friendship. I'm much more interested. I'd be much more interested in seeing that than them having a very powerful conversation. I'm not going to take away from any of the really important, heavy issues that those flashbacks talked about. And seeing the trauma that Wanda went through, it almost reminded me of like the scenes in Deadpool and the Wolverine movie that doesn't exist where they're in <laughs> the, the X, what's it called? It's the same company, right? Uh, Weapon X. Yeah. The, when they're in those labs and it's just really dark and scary and you're expecting there to be a room with people with like test tubes and needles. And that's what it felt like. And it's cool. It's cool. World building. I just got to say, by the way, the uh, Wolverine movie that doesn't exist, I highly recommend the work print edition of the Wolverine <laughs> movie that doesn't exist for the unintentional hilarity of it. Uh, I I will totally not get you a copy of that. That's all I'm going to say. Just all right. Just FYI. All right. But I digress. I will totally not get that for the next time I see you. <laughs> all right. But in regards to a lot of, you know, the – I just love how – we have the scene with Wanda and Vision sitting in the Avengers compound as they're watching Malcolm in the Middle. And, you know, Vision remarks that it can't all be sorrow. And again, I feel like this is going to reflect back on two weeks ago on a previous episode when we did the episode featuring one of the gentlemen from the MCU fan show. Mm -hmm. 
the line of it all can't be sorrow. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the line from the movie The Crow. It can't rain all the time. Yeah. That's why we have moments of brevity in the Marvel Universe. That's why whenever I hear Snyderbots go on talking about how, uh, all Marvel is is just comedy, and I know one friend, as much as I love him, who will remark that it's copy and paste over and over with the MCU. Bu-bu-bu-bullshit. It is, is no, no, no. Each Marvel movie and, tackles something at its core, maybe not each one, but uh, the really good ones, they tackle so many different kinds of issues at its core. You know, the journey that Thor has to go through and the journey that Rocket Raccoon of all characters goes through from Guardians 1 to the end of Endgame is such a, a powerful arc for a character to go through. The set, the. I really can't believe I have to w- put these two words together, but Rocket Raccoon is a hardened raccoon. He is. Like, yeah. what the hell am I saying? But you <laughs> know exactly what I mean. I love He's... the detail in Infinity War where he says, I have a lot to lose and realizes that like, oh, I could lose everybody around me and that would really suck. And he does. He does. That comes true in the movie is that he loses all the other guardians. And I, it's such a powerful, powerful fact, Rocket story. Is the sole survivor. Mm-hmm. He's the sole survivor. And it's heartbreaking. He lost his best friend in the form of Groot. He lost, you know, his sidekick, Star-Lord. Yeah. He lost so much. These are he powerful stories family. and they're powerful emotions and. You know? There's just something about that where, like I said, Vision's line of it can't all be sorrow. I love that line, and I love how it's it's a multifaceted line where mm-hmm. you have so much to discuss in that moment. It can't all be sorrow. Again, reflecting to the line from The Crow, it can't rain all the time. Yeah. And another line of great importance from Vision is, what is grief if not love persevering. I love that line. Ooh. That was the second he said that I was like, that's a tattoo quote. If I had ever heard one. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And again, there's just something about the strength of these lines and the, the fact, again, I will continue to say this episodic storytelling might be one of the best things to come to the Marvel cinematic universe. <laughs> I was saying very similarly that what this show has going for it is its characters. And it goes hand in hand with how episodic storytelling works to the show's advantage is that you have time. You have time to get to know these characters. They kept the cast small enough to really like to really make us care about them. And I what you're saying about episodic storytelling, I literally said to my friend the other day, I would watch an eight episode or whatever show about almost any of these characters. If you told me that they were making a Darcy show, if you told me they were making a Jimmy Woo show, an Agatha show, a Monica show, any of these characters, I would gladly watch their own show just based on them. Well, you say that, and there was discussion in the WandaVision subreddit where are we getting low-key pilots of all of these characters through this show because i feel we are going to be getting a jimmy woo show down the line because agents of atlas Mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense but i've you know there's the one the uh one suggestion someone made do a darcy and jimmy woo show in the style of the x-files yeah because you you have such a wide breadth of characters in regards to the marvel monsters like the old school tales of suspense, uh, strange tales, journey into mystery, all of those monster characters, and then throw, you know, like, I, I don't even know, like, a name, like, but I'll go with, you know, the cliche one, or the most famous one of those monsters, Groot, the original Groot, where he's, like, trying to conquer the world, mm-hmm. but, like, have, like, a Jimmy Woo and Darcy figuring out how they're going to foil this character's plan. But, like, do a Monster of the Week show. Kind of like, I think, a Darcy and Jimmy Woo show could be, like, the love child of the X-Files and Doctor Who. Yeah, and it would be a really cool way to introduce... It could be a more successful Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I feel like, 
like what they wanted to do with some of the shows they have an opportunity to do now. It's funny because a lot of people I know have been getting into both Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and not MCU related, but still Marvel and Fox, The Gifted. I know so many people that are watching those shows lately. I also know a couple of people who just picked up The Gifted because in their words, I really like mutants and I want more mutants now. No, comma, more mutants. But <laughs> in regards to the the characters and the element of why we want more of these characters in regards to seeing, you know, episodic content and building that relationship with them. I will keep saying this because again, the Stanley theory of anyone's first blank could, or any episode of blank could be someone's first or issue, whatever. Mm -hmm. I adore the PS4 Spider-Man game because you build a relationship with Yuri Lowenthal's Peter Parker slash spider hyphen man. Mm -hmm. And there's just something about, how much you interact with them over the course of that. Like you feel for them. And that's why there's that strong emotional connection with people like myself, with the Marvel Netflix characters. There's a part of me, like I'm very much a slave to Canon. Like I've tried time and time again to get into the star Wars legends, but since it's not Canon, I don't give a shit. I feel oh, very he, similarly. If you tell me that, like, I mean, I went to go see the new mutants recently and I just, I just had a really hard time caring about any of them because I knew I would never see them again. See, I'm one of those people. I really loved that movie and I've said it in the past on the show. If you make it its own standalone kind of thing, I always, I lovingly call it John Hughes, new mutants. Mm hmm. As, as a diehard John Hughes fan, there's just something about that movie. Plus, again, as I've said in the past, that movie got like a point and a half higher on my rankings or rating because it featured uh, the replacements, Bastards of Young, in one of the songs. <laughs> so that's that's my uh, review of it. But I, I don't know. It's just like I feel like I have not finished the Netflix Marvel stuff because I feel like it doesn't matter now. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm watching The Punisher with John Bernthal, you know, running around. And, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, what's the point? It's, it's cool. Like, it's cool stuff. But I agree. Yeah. I mean, if you tell me right now that they're going to confirm that, you know, they're doing a multiverse with the Fox universe, I'll go watch them all. I'll sit through them. But I'm not going to do that unless you tell me that they're going to be canon. And the concept of, like, something is no longer canon, it sucks because there are really great performances in the Netflix series. Like, uh, Mahershala Ali is, like, he knocked it out of the park as Cottonmouth in Luke Cage season one. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, spoilers for a show that's been around for a number of years now, but when they kill him like a chump, and now, like, oh, he's going to be running around as Blade in a PG-13 rated Blade movie, which, by the way, fanboys, I'm perfectly fine with a PG-13 movie because... You don't need to see the, or, you know, you're not a big boy if you're watching a movie where they say, Frank, like, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, it, it just feels like, oh, cool. Now it doesn't matter. Yeah. And yeah, but, but that's, a also, that's a digression. For in me. that same vein is actually why I really like that they brought Darcy into the show specifically is because not that they were never, they were ever necessarily pretending like Thor to didn't happen but to really see them lean into characters that they introduced in movies that necessarily didn't work i really like that i really like that they're like yeah thor 2 didn't do that well but we did it it's there uh the events matter for endgame darcy we didn't forget about her we're still going to use her I really Personally, I think it's hilarious that Endgame had Thor 2 to be such a strong narrative focus. And, you know, I left that movie going, you know what? I'm going to give Thor 2 another try. I'm going to give it another watch. Well, two years later, I still haven't watched it, folks. So I, I, there we are. I felt <laughs> the same way, and I also have not rewatched it. I was like, we should rewatch Thor 2. I bet it's not that bad, and we haven't done it. But it's the same, it's a very similar conversation to what you were saying about canon. Is that, I mean, Thor 2 was always canon, but it was like one of those things where, like, oh, we're just going to skip it. It doesn't matter. But now that it matters, I feel more invested in it and that I want to go back and, and see. 
you know what? I am going to watch Thor Dark World tonight. Narrator, guess what? Peter just went home and read some more Spawn issues. But (laughs) in regards to a lot of things like that, you know, one of the things about this episode that kind of like confused the ever-loving shit out of me was the ease of Wanda entering S.W.O.R.D. and speaking with Hayward. Like, I feel like Hayward wanted all of this chaos to happen. He's kind of like... The guy, like he's like that meme of uh, Eric Andre and Hannibal Burger, Han- uh, Hannibal <laughs> Burgers, where he just shoots Hannibal and goes, "Why did Hannibal? Or who shot Hannibal? Why would Wanda do like, this? <laughs> why would why would Wanda do all this chaos that I helped cause? Uh, I don't know, Hayward. Why? Forgive me for this question because I don't know a lot of comic stuff. So this might sound like a really stupid question, but also. I'm going to ask it anyway. Are there any connections in the comics to Hayward's character and the character, I want to say his name is Ross or Roth, the, the guy from Hulk that showed us up again in Civil War? Are there, is there anything there? Because I feel like they have very similar MOs. So, so Ross is a completely different character. Ross is actually, he's still in the movies. He's still in the, the current Marvel canon as of, uh, he was in Civil War. Yeah. He was in, uh, but it's a completely different character in the comics. I don't think Hayward is a character in the comics as well. And be sure to tweet me your strongly worded tweets at Peter Melnick if he, in fact, he is a character in the comics. And I thought I saw a, a fan, run whatever. where Ultron was pretending to be Hayward, but that could have been something so different. So that was a theory... Yeah, you were talking about a theory that you had seen online as well that that Hayward might be Ultron. Do you think that's the case? Well, whether or not I think it's the case and whether I want it to be the case are two different questions. Um, I I still think no. I I wouldn't put it past Marvel. I don't think that that's the story that they want to tell us right now. I saw a really right. funny TikTok where it was, oh, like when White Vision starts talking and it was the iconic scene of Robert California from The Office going on about his Lizard King speech, but it was coming out of White Vision. And that was really funny. And so like from that aspect, I think it could be like, it would be interesting to bring You've got to James Spader back, but <laughs> I, I, think I don't want overall- it. Yeah, I mean, I love Jim Spader as Ultron, but I feel like I don't think Ultron is going to be involved with this. I just there's they told that story about it. Just doesn't. See. I mean, you can bring back Ultron. You can do something with the little fella, but it's like there's. I think with Hayward, and I'm agreeing 100 percent with friend of the show Jeremy Bagley about this. That this is the prototype version of like. Hayward is the proto Trask, Bolivar Trask, and White Vision, it's, which is a weird thing. I really hate saying that out loud. White Vision, <laughs> yeah, that's you know. no, it's not going to work. That that guy, WV is very much. Um, that's what Peter Dinklage's character was, right? In uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I thought I, I thought you were going for a joke for. Uh, oh man, this is going to be really weird with all these timelines connecting because. We have Peter Dinklage in the Marvel Universe. He's the big guy. He's he's uh, the very big guy. Show. I, I I love that essentially Peter uh, Dinklage's character in Thor or no uh, Avengers Infinity War is basically a, a human or giant version of Sweetums from the Muppet Show. <laughs> but um, but his character in, in regards- Days of Future Past is that the same character that you're talking about? Yes. The one in charge of all the Sentinels, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sentinels. I think, and I agree with Jeremy on this, that version of Vision is a prototype of a Sentinel. And I feel like we're going to be seeing more of these essentially kill bots, and then we're going to get a big version of the Sentinel, but Vision is in its DNA. I I think that's a real possibility. It would make a lot of sense, and... One way or another, we are going to be getting mutants, whether that, whatever that means. In regards to other things with this episode, it's little things about this episode that I love. And seeing Wanda get in her car, and it's a shade of red. Mm-hmm. Because of course it is. 
That's really cool. I, I, everything that a theater professor once told me, and I think about it a lot, it lives rent free in my brain, is that if you're going to put a prop on a stage, it has to have a reason. Like if there's a broom on the stage, it's there for a reason. If there's a, a, a lamp, like you better think about what kind of lamp and what color lamp and everything you put on the stage matters. And it applies to movies and shows and that everything that they do. And er- somebody had to pick out every single prop that goes in Wanda's house, every single piece of clothing that every single extra is wearing was a decision. And a lot of them can be just arbitrary. Oh, this is a cool shirt, but was it? Well, like that's the thing about like, you look at the shirts Peter Parker wears, he wears complete dork t-shirts and they fit the character 110%. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's like nerdy jokes. Like, uh, you know, I can totally see Peter Parker being, you know, he's got the t-shirt. It's a find X. Yeah, there it is. You know, that's a complete Peter Parker, especially like he he's the kind of kid who he's probably still enjoying 2004 memes. One of the favorite my favorite things that I ever saw was somebody joking around that if Peter Parker and Shuri like were friends, all they would do is just send each other like TikToks and memes. So I think Peter Park, like, do you think Peter Parker at his house with Aunt May really hot aunt may do you think she has internet blocking at her house i think that she tried to do it but peter got around that really fast <laughs> i like to think peter parker's like number like number two foe in the marvel universe is net nanny peter parker had <laughs> LimeWire for a week before he figured out something way better he's using soul seek <laughs> yeah but <laughs> in regards to uh other things with you know her getting in the car there is that property deed and a lot of people were talking about this one on reddit and we both like had a conversation about it today and i i messaged you i'm just like am i taking crazy pills or do these people not realize it says it's for westview but westview doesn't exist so everything in that moment her showing that deed that vision gave her that's not real. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, it's not real because it's a work of fiction, but you know what I mean. Of course. Like, and again, what is the story that they want to tell us? And that's what I've been asking myself a lot with all of these theories. It's why I don't think Ultron's going to be in it. It's why as much as I would love Pietro to come back, I understand that that's not the story that they want to tell us. And Marvel knows how to tell us a really good story. But what what are they telling us? And it, it feels like it's building up to something huge and everything is like, everything is leading up to it. And is it going to be, it's going to be like what this means for the Marvel universe moving forward. It's going to be what she's doing for Dr. Strange too. We know she's in it. So everything that's happening to her now is building to the next movie. And so is the story going to be that she can create anything she wants? What is that going to mean? I just think, again, this is a further proof, the example of how, you know, it's an idealized version of fiction of everything, an idealized world where, once again, for some reason, New Jersey is a perfect place to live in. (laughs) Sure it is, New Jersey Tourism Board. Sure it is. But, you know, I feel like, again, with that property deed, they're putting down Westview. There's no such thing as Westview. There is an Eastview, and Mm -hmm. once again... As you know, it's not really been discussed enough, but the name of Westview comes from the fact of Westview. This is Wanda's idealized version of what the West is like to her mm-hmm. as a Sokovian, you know, refugee or just somebody who coming from another country, an immigrant. It's that element of this is the dream world. This is where I want to live. You know, she doesn't want to be in a world where there's all these bombings with like Stark Industries, you know, devices, which, by the way, I love that there was that callback mm-hmm. to the commercial with the beep, 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 yes. beep, and the drrrr. I love that. I think it's also, it must have been really awkward to eventually be on a team fighting alongside Tony Stark. And Tony Stark unintentionally took so much away from her with those weapons. Mm-hmm. You know? But Tony Stark eventually did redeem himself. Hashtag I love you 3000. And I'm not talking about Andre. But let's see what else. You know, 
there's also that whole element of chaos magic, which makes her the Scarlet Witch. And by the way, I love how it is official now. Now she is the Scarlet Witch. Mm -hmm. We've never heard that before, even though we've all called her that. The show's never called her that, and here we are. I love that. I think the idea, though, of chaos magic, where she's doing all of this stuff. She's, like, where she's at, she's supposed to be at, like, you know, level five. She's at level 37. Mm -hmm. I love the fact, like, she's so well advanced as a... I want to say paranormal, but it's not. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of witchcraft and wizardry and all that, it's it's cool to see that. And I think, you know, we're off to a very, you know, this is we're off to a great start with the end. Yeah. Because we don't know what this could entail, where we don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, we get that mid credit scene with WV, the White Vision, <laughs> and again... It's it's so cool how Marvel is paying tribute to the source material. I love the fact that that costume is being featured in here, and we it's ominous. It is ominous as shit. And that reveal of his face, you know, the immediate reaction. By the way, when I I saw it spoiled for me, mm-hmm. like a few hours before I watched the episode, but I saw that I'm just like. Wait, is that Dr. Manhattan? Because it really had Dr. Manhattan vibes. Mm. And very much so, it, I again, I don't know where we're going with this, and I love that it's continually making us guess. And I feel like, you know, I, I know yourself and your partner, you both don't do, you know, week-by-week week shows, but, like, this is, I, I think it's hilarious that this is the one exception, you know? It's one of the few that exist, you know, a lot of, I guess the only other shows I watch week to week are like the walking dead, but I was telling somebody recently, I just don't care. Like this is the only good show that's on that's week to week. Right. I know you both like you waited to binge watch the Mandalorian, for example. And I was like, really, you guys aren't doing that. I'm like, come on, you got to watch week to week. And I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Like the character investment, but also again, Let's be real. I love Star Wars, but over the years, like the the fandom menace ruined it for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't love Star Wars like I used to. And, you know, there's just something about this, on the other hand, where I'm still enjoying it. And all those, you know, whiny fanboys complaining about, you know, how Brie Larson hurt their fifis, you know. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you know, like I'm just tired, but it still hasn't gotten to the point where I hate being a Marvel fan. I still love it. And I'm not just saying this. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be a quote-unquote shill for Marvel because I, Marvel has its problems, but I just don't want to talk about it because I don't care. They're good. At the end of the day, yes, they have their problems, but they're producing good content. Yeah. And Star Wars is too. Star Wars is getting into itself. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I like it. Just enough. I like The Mandalorian a lot. Uh, The Mandalorian is the best Star Wars movie I have probably ever seen. And I really like I really like it. But this is just consistently good. As a fan of Westerns, I love The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. There's just something magical about it. And I feel like, you know, I wish he was still alive to do. I think he's no, he's not still alive. But if he is, Marvel get you know, not Marvel, but Disney get in touch with him. But <laughs> like the Mandalorian is like the perf like it's Sergio Leone doing a space or doing a space Western space spaghetti Western. <laughs> Although I could only imagine what that spaghetti looks like. <laughs> but with all of this, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this could lead to. And I also like how. A lot of these shows are interconnecting with certain movies. Like, this is not going to connect to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier, on the other hand, is going to connect with Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Like, I can that I can see because they're more the the combat parts. Whereas this is, you know, very much a it's not street level, but it's like wizardry and you know witchcraft. And how that'll tie to Doctor Strange and somehow magically tie into Spider-Verse. Loki is going to tie into Thor 4. I'm really excited for Loki. 
Do you think it is? Because I feel like Loki is more going to tie into uh, Multiverse of Madness. I think that those are going to tie into each other. And I saw this thing where somebody was saying that what was going to happen was that via Doctor Strange, Loki was going to come into Thor 4. So I really do think it's all telling one giant story. I think it's wild, by the way, that I thought WandaVision was going to end, and then the next week we'd get Falcon and Winter Soldier. Nope, Chuck Testa, we're getting one week of nothing. and It's going to be the worst week of my I'm life. I'm thinking about it. Well, it's a good palate cleanser because it's also like, evidently then, how much is this ending for WandaVision going to mess us up or leave us like questioning everything? Because we're getting a week of nothing. Well, they certainly set the bar. Yeah. And it, it's dawning on me, by the way, Loki's not until June 11th. Mm-hmm. So we got six weeks of Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then there's a few weeks of nothing. <sighs> so I'm guessing then that's going to be, you know, they're banking on theaters reopening because yourself, you're in the New York City area. You're going to be getting theaters reopening next month mm-hmm. as of this recording. So, you know, 25% capacity. Shout out to Papa Cuomo, I guess, <laughs> maybe, you know, with his... Hesitantly. Nipple uh, piercings. <laughs> yeah, but I digress. In regards to that, there's. I feel like it's going to be four weeks of Marvel and Disney banking on people seeing Black Widow in theaters. Yes. So like that's why it's like nothing new for four weeks, four or five weeks. Then you can go see Loki. Mm-hmm. So who knows what'll happen? But in the meantime. Jeremy, thank you so much for doing the show. This has been long overdue. Yes, thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. Now, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Plug as much as you want. My main social that I really am the most consistent with is my Instagram. You can check me out there at at the underscore Jer, J-E-R underscore necessities. It's the bare necessities, but with my name. So check me out there, the Jer necessities. That's really where you can get a hold of me the best. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, once again, for the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Jeremy Rudick. Excelsior!